Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. President Grant was talking about what it means to put on the Arkansas uniform mother. His brother obviously played here a few years back. Your mom and dad both went to school here. What does it mean for you to put on the Arkansas uniform? I mean, it's everything I could have wished for as a kid. Um, I came up to games when I always went to the one in Dallas because obviously that's where I'm from. And um, it was just a – yeah, it was just a huge – dream I had growing up and it's just been amazing to see that uh just be reality for me it's gonna have to take a lot it's gonna have to I I love playing football I love being Razorback I love going out there getting wins like that that's what it's meant for just to be able to play through pain um football's a painful game so if there's uh no pain in it then Nothing's getting happen and getting done, so it it's gonna have to take a lot. It's gonna have to come falling off, but it was it was they're taking care of me. That was Hudson Clark and Grant Morgan, two guys that were a part of the phenomenal game. I really don't even know if phenomenal is the best word that we could use. Something that I personally have never seen a Razorback defense do. We thank hitthatline.com for letting us use their feed on that. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode number 131 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland. Alongside is Kevin Bohannon. And the show is brought to you by betonline.ag. While you may not be at the games this year, you could still get in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place. You can also take advantage of the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-in bonuses. That's betonline.ag to sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, Kevin, a couple of weeks ago when we had gotten our first SEC win in over a thousand days, I think it was like around the 1,440. 442 day mark that we hadn't had an SEC win at home. You finally get that after the Mississippi state game, you had to turn around and get ready for Auburn, but we've got two weeks to focus on right now, at least for a week where we can focus on the good things, the positives, and that's what we'll do tonight. And I don't think that I've ever quite seen a defensive performance like we saw on Saturday. So before the Alabama and Georgia game last night, Gene Chizik said, I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround from one year to the next, as we're seeing at Arkansas right now with Barry Odom. And, of course, the, the other guy, I think it was Spencer Tillman or somebody, said, well, you did it at North Carolina. He said, I, I'm nowhere near Barry, what Barry Odom is doing right now. And that's coming from Gene Chizik, who won a national championship and has always been a really good defensive mind. 
And he talked about how they disguise coverages and how they roll their coverages. And for anybody out there, just the, the normal football fan, when you disguise coverage, you, you look like you're in man-to-man and all of a sudden you're in zone. And that's what happened Saturday is Matt Corral was reading, okay, they're in man, we're going to have this pass right here. He, and he was kind of predetermining where he was going to throw. But it look, and I get, I guarantee you, at times he thought there were 14, 15, 16 men on the field because we were in every passing lane and not just one man. The last one that Grant Morgan picked off could have been picked off by him, which it was Hudson Henry or uh, Hayden Henry, excuse me, or Simeon Blair. So we're doing a really good job. We know the play they're going to run before they run it. And that's something that we haven't seen in the past. Kudos to Coach Odom and the rest of the defensive staff, which Coach Pittman said last night. And it was just phen- it was a phenomenal game. We held them to 200 yards passing. They came in ranked fourth in the nation with 380 yards. So that just shows you how, how much of a phenomenal game it was. And we'll use the word phenomenal, unbelievable, because it was unbelievable. Nobody believed we would get six interceptions and seven turnovers against one of the top offenses in America. And nobody believed, that, we, and including myself, that we were going to be able to drop eight like we did against Mississippi State and still be able to get stuff done. You still got a pretty good pass rush. It was nice to see uh, Julius Coates get a sack and still yep. Jonathan Marshall wrecking havoc in the backfield like he does. But just going through the numbers, seven total turnovers, six interceptions. Hudson Clark had three picks. Jalen Catalan had the fumble recovery on the first drive there where Ole Miss almost scored and had the mishandled mishandled snap there on the, the read option play and also had the pick six. Grant Morgan playing with one arm, 19 tackles, the pick six there. And if I'm not mistaken, Grant Morgan, after there was a the drive before, the defensive drive before, it was looking like that he had had taken about all the pain that he could take. He was holding his arm, and it was clear that he was, he was in pain the whole game, but it seemed like it was turned up a notch just a little bit on this particular play that I'm referring to. The next drive, he comes out and uh, just and takes that pick six back from about 15, 20 yards out. But just a phenomenal performance from him. I'll keep using that word because that's – yeah, I know uh, Rick Schaefer would frown upon the term unbelievable. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, but Greg, Greg, Brooks, <laughs> Greg Brooks also got his, his second interception of the year. Or actually, I think that's his third of the year, and he also has a pick six. And the defense scored 24 of the 33 points. I, I don't know what else you could have asked them to do. Um, the offense, you know, again, we're, we, we'll worry about talking about the offense and some of the things that the opportunities that they'll have. We'll worry about that the next week. We're going to focus again on the great things that we saw. And I, and I mean, just how, what more can you say? Well, let's start with Grant Morgan. You and I both have really challenged him on this podcast. Not that our opinion matters to him, right? Yeah. but we've, we've both talked about how it's just crucial that he gets going this year we knew he's a Morgan he's got all kinds of grit in him we there was never any question about that but I'm gonna tell you this right now I don't know and I I don't really like to really rank the grittiest performances you've ever seen in college football or or Arkansas history because there's a lot of them but you cannot look at his performance on Saturday and say that that is not one of the grittiest performances you've ever seen especially in a in Razorback sports Um, I'd say just in general but to be playing with one arm, arguably not having the best linebacker on the team in terms of overall fundamentally sound and, and the most talented in bumper pool, and he takes over completely. Hayden Henry had the most solo tackles. I want to say he had around six. He really stepped up. That was the questions that we had. I think you and I were definitely on. I think just about everybody 
but then the hog talk was on the same page. We've got some, some talented players on our first string, but we've got multiple, and we've touched on this multiple walk-ons that are stepping up outside of just Hudson Henry or uh, outside of Hudson Clark and, and Grant Morgan, who is now on scholarship, Simeon Blair, even uh, Jack, yesterday, what Jackson yeah, was, Woodard was Jackson in, yeah. Woodard, yeah, from from Little Rock Christian, he got in a little bit. All these guys are Arkansas. We talk about that, and I know Hudson Clark is from Dallas, but that's because his dad's worked for the Cowboys for thirty years. His family well, yeah, is Arkansas, yeah, Berryville, yeah, they yeah. got some Arkansas ties. Yeah, his his grandfather Ronnie Clark was a, a head football coach for twenty seven years at Berryville. His mom and dad, both native Arkansans, met at University of Arkansas. His dad has worked for the Cowboys, I believe, since about 1991. Is pretty high up within that franchise now. And so it's just really nice to see those guys. And, the, and that Grant Morgan truly is, when you when you look at an Arkansan, Grant and Drew Morgan, they are the, that what you look for in just that blue-collar type mentality with that chip on their shoulder. Both, I believe Grant was – or that Drew was also a walk-on as well, if I'm not mistaken – um, so both of these guys came in really unheralded. I think Drew was like a two-star recruit. Maybe Grant was around the same. And we're seeing that multiple times here. And it's it's pretty crazy to think that the two awards that were named after Arkansas ties with the Broyles, the assistant of the year, and then also uh, the Burlesworth Award from the great, the late, great Brandon Burlesworth, the greatest walk-on in the history of college football. It's looking like through almost halfway through the season that both of those awards could be coming home to Fayetteville. Yeah, that it could definitely be a clean sweep. And recruiting is not an exact science. As much as we would like to think it is with the star rating system and every, especially with the technology we have now and access to all these kids where you get to see them in a combine, in person. But we have guys that fit their role. We have never been linebacker you, so to speak. We've always had undersized middle linebackers, whether it be Tony Bua, who has moved back to safety his senior year in 03, or Sam Oljabutu. And Martrell Spate wasn't very big, but we've had guys in that position that just get it. They will get after your tail. They will, they will fill their gap. They do what they need to do. And Grant Morgan epitomizes that. And we saw it with Drew Morgan because he was offered by – Arkansas State when Coach Malzahn was there, and that's where he was going to go until he got a last-minute offer. Uh, may have been, I can't remember if it was preferred walk-on. You might be right about that or if he did get a scholarship, but he always wanted to be a Razorback, and we knew how multiple Drew was coming in, and he got to play because they had a lot of injuries at wide receiver that year, and he got to show what he could do. And Grant has just stepped his way up throughout the last four years to where he got that C on his chest now, and – he is Arkansas football right now, I, you know, and that that's probably a superlative, but he is what we believe in right now because we've always been the underdog the last three three years now. You know, Bielema's last year was, was not great, but you, you kind of saw it in the second half there that even though we were up 20 to nothing, even Coach Pittman was nervous when he did his halftime interview. He was like, you know, they have a great offense. So – for them to come out and do that, Jalen Catalan, I'll go ahead and say it. He, he's the best safety we've had since Ken Hamlin. I was just and, about to say that. I was going to bring yeah, him up next. He, and and I made the comment in our group chat the other night that you know who he reminds me of is Jamal Adams from LSU. That's you know, Pro Bowl safety right now in the league. But the way he runs, you know, he was a two sport athlete coming out and actually 
considered playing baseball as well. So he runs well. He, the term ball hawking has been used quite a bit with this defense, and it's really good to see the pursuit is there. That's one thing I really like. It's not just one guy trying to make a tackle. Once somebody gets him held up, you got five or six other guys coming in there, and that's going to be key down the stretch. We got Ole Miss to throw the ball, which was great because they come in averaging, you know, 300 yards on the ground. They ran for three-something last week against an Alabama defense. So it was great to put them in the position to where we knew what they were going to do, and kudos to Coach Odom and the staff again because, yeah, when I saw the three-down linemen, and one thing I was really excited to see was Joe Fouché down in the box. I mentioned it the other night that if we are short on linebackers and we have to put an extra man down in the box to protect against the run in their RPO scheme, that needs to be Joe Fouché because he's the most physical guy out there that could play that hybrid role. And he, he was down in the box a couple of times, made some really good tackles. So these guys are all stepping up and playing a, a level above where they should be right now. I want to go back to Catalan because I, I was just so high on him coming out of high school. I remember we got the trio of him, Enoch Jackson, and Torian Carter out of, I want to say it was Mansfield Legacy, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Right outside it is. Of, yep. And uh, so you get those three guys. And Catalan was the last one to commit. And it was looking like it was going to come down to Arkansas and Texas. As you mentioned, he was really thinking about playing baseball as well. But four games in, I don't have any problem saying you mentioned that he was the best one since Ken Hamlin. You look at guys all the way back to Steve Atwater, Kanoi Kennedy, Ken Hamlin. He's already – I'll go ahead and say he's already in that category for me because I yeah. don't see his play slowing down. I just don't. He's he's that high caliber of a guy. He's just a ball hawk. He's, he lays bone-crushing hits. I truly thought Elijah Moore was going to get knocked out of the game yesterday. I'm glad he didn't. You know, <laughs> yeah. don't ever, don't ever uh, wish players to get yeah, hurt. And he but, had a great game. It was hard yeah, to stop. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. And, you know, th that's one thing that I wanted to bring up too is, is we talked about – before the Mississippi State game, the biggest thing that that this defense is going to have to do is they're going to have to hit these receivers and they're going to have to put it on KJ Costello early. KJ Costello, uh, his season's basically done with ten interceptions. I know he was benched in favor of Will, Will Rogers over the weekend. Nine quarters that that offense went without scoring a point. Uh, it was the it was the defense that got the safety against Kentucky. And Jalen Catalan was just was one of the ones that led that charge and striking fear into. I think that real that play against Ole Miss where he crushed Elijah Moore over that slant route. That was one of the ones that really set the tone that said, "Hey, look, you come across my lane. It's like that danger zone video. Yeah. My coach used to show us that before every <laughs> single game. Every Friday morning, we would watch that. And I mean, that, that thing's from like the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, I remember Jerry Rice had that old." Uh, like shaved or completely uh, shaved on the sides with the razor and like the yeah. little flat top. I mean, that's how old this video is. And they played the song Danger Zone from Top Gun and it just showed safety. Now you can't really hit like that anymore, like those guys in the video, but Jalen oh, Catalan. Yeah, Ronnie Lott. Yeah. 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 You, you, yeah. And that's the thing is, I guess you're protected. Could say, yeah. Right. They're so protected. And that's, that was another thing I was going to bring up. Barry Odom. He, he gets these guys set up to, to basically put the offense in a position where I don't want to say that they're scared, but their head's on a swivel, which takes time off the plays. And he just puts guys in great position. They are always, these guys are all around the field. I don't think that a lot of these guys on this defense are going to have an NFL future. I hope that they do, but there's maybe, there's, there's a cut, there's less than a handful of those guys that are going to have probably more than a couple of years in the NFL, but them as a whole together, them running toward you every time wherever the ball is you see the red helmets and the red jerseys just flock to it 
And that's why they have been, they just, there is never a guy, I think it was Gene Chizik feeding off of what you said earlier, that there's always people near the ball and they're just in perfect position and they make sure early to set the tone to realize that this offense, if they want to have a good game, they're going to have to really earn it. And that is, that's the key that, I mean, there's a lot of other underlying things too, but I, again, I was completely shocked that Barry Odom was able to do, was able to set this defense in position to do the things that they were able to do to drop eight, still rush three and be able to get the job done in the way that they did. I mean, they, they essentially won the game um, with, with the, the two pick sixes and it just seemed like every single time that they were on the field that they were looking – they weren't just looking to get a stop. They were looking to turn the ball over. That's right. And they, they made the adjustments too. So Ole Miss came out and, and in the second half, Jerry, Jerry Neely, who I have a lot of respect for because he, he's a two-sport guy, could have gone the MLB draft. He had 112 yards, I believe. And they started running the ball. So we, we made the adjustments to where we could stack down and basically run a, a three, five look, which is the, the old five, three with drop ins, which drop ins now are, are hybrid guys. It was a Joe Fouché right there. And then you had Greg Brooks on the other side. So, and it, it's hard because we're, we're really thin at linebacker. We had Jackson Woodard in there who, who's a walk on. We're, we're, we're playing and winning these games with, with walk-ons. And that just shows you how much these guys want to play. And that, that's talking about building the culture. Uh, Dr. Dr. Fitzhill always says you can't beat culture. And that's one thing that in a short period of time, and, and I'll, I'll say this, Gus Malzahn made the statement about the Auburn offense the other day, and he said, well, we didn't get spring ball, and, it, and it's just week four. Well, what's the excuse for Arkansas's defense coming out here and playing like they're probably they're, – they're definitely a top five defense in the league. When they didn't have a spring, they've only had four weeks of the season and they're flying around to the ball. I know it's two different – I know it's offense and defense, but those guys just fly around, and they're doing it no matter what they ask them to do. If they're asking them to, to line up in a 4-3 and attack a running game, they're doing it. If they're asking them to a 3-2-6 and be in a zone coverage, they're doing that. So, yeah, it's, it's we, we can't say enough, but, yeah, Jalen Catalan is, is going to have a long time to play football if he wants to. Well, and I still think I, not so much now. I think that the, even the national media has taken the same national media that had been understandably laughing at the program the last few years has really taken notice and they're starting to get attention. That rat poison, so quote unquote, as Lane Kiffin likes to call it. But yeah. I think that Ole Miss definitely overlooked us, and and it's not more prevalent than than saying than hearing it come out of Matt Corral's mouth. Matt Corral literally said in his post game press conference, I think it was at the four the four minute forty second mark. I had it uh, bookmarked on YouTube. And he basically said, we thought this we were going to come in here and this was going to be easy. And yeah, they, 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 they Yeah, and they always say that you are – just like I think that this team is a reflection of Coach Pittman and Coach Odom and the, and the great coaches that, that we have on this staff. I think, I think that term right there is a direct reflection of Lane Kiffin. I know Lane Kiffin likes to troll and he likes to do this, but he's a cocky guy. And yeah. he's – He's earned a lot of that, but at the same time, too, he hasn't earned anything at Ole Miss. Yeah, congratulations, you put up some points. But you just got completely shut down by a team that, again, you thought you were going to come in here and roll pretty easily. And I'll, and I'll say this, having been an offensive coordinator and, and had that clipboard play sheet and called plays, that offensive coordinators tend, tend to get arrogant and they tend to get cocky sometimes because they believe what they have will work and they get hard-headed. That's the biggest thing, and I mentioned it to you the other day, is they're going to keep doing what they do. And if they keep throwing it to us, great. 
the one play that I really said great call laying on was fourth down, and they did a little short roll to the left and threw back to Elijah Moore on the right, and Hudson Clark was not within 10 yards of him. It was fourth and eight, I believe, down there within the 20-25 yard line. And it's basically a counter, a counter pass play. So he, he rolled left a half roll and then threw it back to the right to a spot to where he knew Elijah Moore would be. But we were playing off coverage there a little bit because it was to the, the split side of the field. We had trips to the left and we thought they would just do a pick play, which, but it was, it was a good pass play. But our defense, that <laughs> they took advantage of the hard headedness. And that's one thing that you all, that sometimes you don't see and we haven't seen in the past is they're taking advantage of those things that used to get us beat. And because we couldn't tackle, we wouldn't be in the right spot and we would just have one or two guys going. Now we have 11, sometimes 15 going because you got the backups in there too, to where luckily now Mateo Soli was back, even though he had a club on his hand, he had his first three tackles of the season. Julius Coates had his first sack and we've been really high on him. Once we get back to full strength and thank goodness this bye week is coming when it is, we're going to be even tougher to move the ball on. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at the stats or at least I was trying to find it. Talking about going for it on fourth down, that was that one play to uh, across the field to Elijah Moore was the one time it actually worked out. But Lane Kiffin just – it seemed like he refused to – did he punt at all? I know that they did the fake punt that went for 46 yards at the towards the end of the game. But I think he went for it on just about every fourth down. They may have punted once or twice, but I don't recall seeing a punter out there for Ole Miss. Yeah, they had talked about during the game how you, you, these guys that run this hurry-up offense, they don't like to kick field goals. He did it last week against Alabama, went for it down there. And I, I, and it may be hogwash, so to speak, but the momentum after we went another three and out for the fourth consecutive game, but we'll talk about that later. Our defense stopping them on fourth and goal kind of set the tone for the game. And we're like, all right, this is going to be it. We did it another time on fourth and one. And finally, that they got one in on us at the start of the second half. But, yeah, that, the only time they ran it out there, we should have been in punt safe. That that's one thing, but and that was the longest play of the night, also, and on special and it was on special teams. So, yeah, that that was the only time that they had really lined up to punt all day. So they, I see here, they've actually punted three times for 122 yards. I I don't even recall seeing a punter <laughs> out there. That just completely went over my head. And I'll say, speaking of punting, I know that we had the kickoff go out of bounds, and of course we let the the fake punt go 47 yards. But how about Reed Bauer? Average he, was four, four, he was great. <laughs> 47 yards a punt on seven punts. Now, I know he punted a lot, so he's going to have a lot of yards. But 47 yards, A.J. Reed was two of two on field goals. So we we hit the field goals. We got the punts that we needed. It, it just seems like – and I talk about last year, and, I, and we don't want to harp on last year, but the only reason I bring it up is because I think that special teams was much more improved, but it's just so overlooked by that awful – like I don't even know what you call that. I've called it so many different things, the, the fake pass or pump or whatever you want to call it against Auburn last season. <laughs> but that was that that made the special teams overall look bad. And then the fake punt for 47 yards kind of just it, it washed everything away. But overall, I thought that that was much more improved. And that's what I was – see, I, I, I keep saying every week that I, I the reason I don't pick the Hogs is because I just think that special teams is too much of a liability. And I started to get a little worried, even though the defense had just played lights out the entire game. I was like, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. I hope we don't let this thing sw- slip away. But I'll say this much. 
I will be. I don't know what it's a long way until Texas A&M. We're not going to start Texas A&M week until next Monday's pod, but I'll say this much. I will be picking the hogs. I don't know what it's going to be by, but I finally will be picking the hogs. I was the only one that didn't out of our staff and it bit me. Uh, I, I took plenty of grief, but you know what? I'll take it all day. Just like I said, I'll take being wrong for Mississippi state. I'll take being wrong for this too. So congrats on all you other guys being right. And you know, one thing we do, we study these teams, we study the trends and everything that goes, and we're, we're Hog fans at heart, and that's why we do this. But we, we have to put on our, our media and our analysts hat at the same time to say, and it's like you said, they haven't given me a reason to pick them to win yet. You know, we, we had a punt block for a touchdown last week, and Ole Miss got close a couple of times. You know, he averaged 46.9 and had two inside the 20, but there were a couple of times where I was like, and they almost got back there, but that it did do a lot better job, and I, I will get – Sam Pittman had called timeout on fourth down earlier in the game when he didn't like what he saw. So, I was, I was thinking, okay, surely if they line up in safe punt, which is what they were in, they didn't have gunners outside, I, I don't believe, that he would call timeout right there again. Even though it would have stopped the clock, it would have given them a chance to reemphasize, hey, guys, be ready for this. Yeah, I, I thought that Sam Pittman called. I mean, he's – we talk about how he is just exactly what Arkansas needed, and Barry Odom seems to be exactly what this defense needed. Kendall Browles, I really do think, is going to get it going. Um, despite some of – I know that we played really well in the second half against against uh, Auburn, and things were not so pretty besides that 95-yard drive. But I just feel like that they, they feed so well off of each other. Barry Odom probably does a lot of the things, the little things here and there that Sam Pittman might not have considered when he took this job that, cause you know, it's, it's whenever you're in a head coaching position previously, like Barry was for what, three or four years at Missouri, you're going to the, the ins and outs a little bit more. And so I think that just this staff all to get Sam Pittman understands that he's the guy in charge, but he's also got some guys that are a little bit more experienced in that regard, like Barry Odom is. And so, uh, I, I just really like kind of like what you were saying a second ago is, um, you know, we, we take we got to take our fan hat off sometimes and we got to understand that we, we have to call things as we see them. But yep. there is no question, no question. And we've said it so many different times that we do believe this is the staff to get the job done. And they're proving it to me every like the biggest thing that's been proven to me is that we can win with with depth that we didn't realize that we had. Um, these guys really are just, again, they're playing together and they're showing the kind of heart that we have not seen over the last few years. And one thing that Sam Pittman is not really used to yet is those certain situations in a game where he hasn't experienced as a head coach before because he, he has seen it from an O-line coach standpoint, but it's that CEO mentality that he's still having to get used to. Like you said, Like we said earlier, he didn't have a spring to go through a true spring to go through we were limited and he's still he, he's going to make those mistakes and but as a fan base we're thinking oh he should know that 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 that's easy for us to sit back and say well my, my six-year-old nephew saw it and but in the heat of a game people sometimes don't understand that look you're thinking ahead to the next one we got this handled we're thinking ahead a little bit because he's thinking ahead, okay, this is what we got to do if this, this, and this happens. And it just, it's, it's escaping that moment. But kudos. And one thing I, I mentioned to you the other day, kudos to Kendall Bryles. Kendall Bryles was with Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. 
And I bet he had a ton to do with the defensive game plan because he knew a lot of their formations, their tendencies, some of their passing concepts. So, you know, kudos to Coach Browse. I, I bet he had a lot to do with you know, the defensive game plan. I definitely think that he does. And it's not just them coaching together on Baylor's staff that know, they knew each other's tendencies. But you you, you know that because for those that don't know, Jeff Levy is married to Kendall Brawls' sister. They were both right. on – they were both – yeah, they were both on Art's staff at Baylor. So, been around for a long time, too. Incredible offensive minds. But you know at Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, they were scheming up plays, especially when they were coaching together. But Kendall probably has just a little bit more experience. And, I, and, and Lane Kiffin, one of the best – as far as I know, the only time Lane Kiffin's never called his own plays completely. Now, I don't know the the whole status with him and Levy, but I know that, that he is – when he's openly admitted that he's given over the play calling duties is when Kendall Bryles was on his staff at FAU. And so I think it was a mixture of Kendall knowing the tendencies of Lane Kiffin, of Jeff Levy, but also Barry Odom just coming up with an incredible game plan that, as I was just talking about a second ago, just all meshed together in the perfect way. So we're up against a break. We're going to talk more about this game as soon as we get back. After a word from our sponsors, stay with us. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479 479- 368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. I had to sit out last week um, against Auburn. You know, I just went in the game confident, and I knew that my teammates had confidence in me, so I just went in and just played for them in the Arkansas Razorback Nation. And, I mean, the catch, I mean, you know, it, it didn't surprise me. I, I do it in practice. It's just, just something I just work on, and something I just want to get better at. And that was Traylon Burks discussing his amazing sports center, number one top 10 play that will probably this, this, this episode drops on Monday. I imagine this evening, Randy Moss will be talking about that on his, uh, his plays of the week before Monday night football. But Kevin, I mean, last year we talked, I had to go back to last year again, but we talked about how Traylon just was not used properly. He would make an incredible plays, but he'd only get the ball maybe five to seven times a game. It seemed like sometimes less than that, but they really fed their stud. And this kid, I know you guys messed with me about saying he was special in our group text, <laughs> like Houston Nutt, but yeah. this kid truly just sees it. And he sees the game in a different way. And he is just one of those special players. There's a lot of good and, and even great players that we see every Saturday, but his performance was just dominant. He has a really high football IQ, and that's one thing that you don't really see a whole lot, especially for young guys. He's still young, and I'll, I'll never forget the first time I saw him live. I was officiating the Little Rock Christian Warren game at War Memorial Stadium for the Buzz Kickoff Classic or the Hootens Kickoff Classic. I can't remember which one, but he and Justice Hill were on the field together, and Justice is just a phenomenal athlete, but 
Traylon Burks takes it to a different level, whether it be running the football, catching the football, and even through the football in that game, or playing linebacker. And a lot of people have said, well, he should be starting at linebacker. Well, that's true, but you cannot take the ball out of his hands. I've said multiple times, you get that in his hands at least 10 times. The goal is 15, and I believe he had 11 catches and five rushes the other day, and he didn't get to return any punts. I don't believe he had he fair caught his. But he, so he had 16 touches for a buck 83, which was phenomenal. But the wherewithal on the the double pass to where Felipe Franks threw it back to him and he tucks it and goes. A lot of people w- would force that. They're like, oh, it, it's set up. I'm going to get me a touchdown pass. He dropped it down, ran it. And I'm going to say this. We do not win that game without Traylon Burks. No question. We, we do not win that football game because there were certain situations to where they put the ball in his hands, especially the the last drive that we had, you know, going down the field where we had to get time off the clock and make sure we were in the situation that we needed to to win the ball game. Who do we put the ball in the hands of? Traylon Burks. So if if there's one thing that you, if you want to be nitpicky about it, yeah, he's he just needs to get better at his route running, but he is so dynamic with the ball in his hand at 6'3 and 232, I believe. It's just so fun watching him play, and he and they talk about how big his hands are, and it was shown the other night or the yeah, on Saturday for him to high point that ball the way he did and cup it like a C. If you, you see the still shot of it, he caught it just like he would a baseball, and th- that it just kind of blew my mind. But when I saw it was sixteen in the end zone, I was like, "That's a catch." They can review it all they want to, but I know he palmed that thing out of the air, and it was a great throw by Felipe Franks. And he got he got the, the the toe touchdown, which was just next level stuff. So it, it's fun having him back, and I'm so excited to watch this young man play. Well, and I'll tell you something too. I mentioned this when I was on a Georgia podcast when we were playing them the first week. I I got asked about him, and you talked about in the last segment all these like Grant Morgan, Hudson Clark, all these Arkansas boys that just have that desire, that heart, that want to. But what's what makes Traylon so special, one of the many things, is he's got that heart and that 110% just tenacity that he wants to be out on the field along with the special type of talent. And that was that was shown on full display against Alabama last year. I believe it was Nick Starkle that threw a pick six. Um, not that we've never heard that before, right? So <laughs> Nick Starkle throws a pick six. And the score is like 30 to three Bama. And as the, the, the Alabama defender is running towards the end zone, Traylon Burks, I believe War Machine uh, posted this on his on some highlights that he has on his YouTube page. If you've never checked him out, got to War Machine 2013, some of the best, some of the best video out there. Traylon Burks comes from the opposite side of the field. And he didn't get to the guy, but I mean, he he touched him. He he dove for him to try to tackle him, and that's the kind of effort that he has. He plays to the whistle every single play. Doesn't matter if it's sixty to nothing, and that's another little thing that we don't think about because it's not a great catch. It's not um, an incredible. And he also had four carries for forty eight yards. Yeah. So he he was averaging a little over ten yards per carry on top of the. I think it was set. It was. Uh, 11 receptions for 137 yards and then his touchdown. That was the incredible sports center number one top 10 play. And so Davion Warren, props to him. He stepped up in a big way in Traylon Burks' absence. He really wasn't a factor uh, big time uh, against Ole Miss. 
But another one that, that I want to talk about that didn't have the stats that popped off was, was Hudson Henry. He yep. had made some good blocks. That's one thing that we've really questioned about is, does he want to block? Can he get the blocks that he needs to? But he got a couple of first downs. I think that he probably only had around maybe the 20 to 30 yard range, if that. Uh, maybe he didn't have the greatest stats, but as I said, but he when he was when his name was called, he got the job done. So it was nice to see that. We've seen some good plays from Blake Kern this year. So it looks like the, the guys on your two deep at tight end, their stats aren't going to jump off the paper. But for the most, I know that Kern had that drop in the end zone. But overall, I think that they've do, both done a pretty good job of doing what they need to do when their name is called. Yeah, Hudson Henry had two catches for 22 yards, but you're right. It was the blocking, and, and, and I've challenged him on this podcast before, and somebody had asked, you know, what's wrong with him? Well, well he was hurt last week. So, but, yeah, he – and Kendall Browse has said, in, in, the, in our offense, the tight end is not always told what to do, so they got to be pretty cerebral out there with the play call and the RPO that he's going to be in the position where he should. So he, he was a lot more physical. He made some really good moves out there. He had a long catch of 13 yards that got us a first down. And, you know, Davion Warren did not register any catches. Tyson Morris did. Kudos to him. Yeah, I've not always been a real big fan of him, but he, he stepped up big, had a couple of big catches over the middle. And that's really big that those guys that can go over the middle, they don't have alligator arms or T-Rex arms. And especially Jalen Catalan out there, uh, he, he caused a lot of alligator arms the other day. So, yeah, those guys, like you said, in the two deep are really stepping up and showing that, look, we can have packages now to where we have Mike Woods, Traylon Burks, Davion Warren on the field all at the same time to where you got even more playmakers at the disposal of Felipe Franks. And it just makes that offense even more dynamic. Did Mike Woods have another boneheaded moment yet? Yeah, I, I saw that there were some things on Twitter that he was, I don't know if this was just people talking out of their butts or whatever, but I had seen some posts that I, again, I might've missed this, that he had kind of another, like a personal foul or something. I, I don't know. Did that happen? I did not see it. I think it was borderline and, but it wasn't flagged. I think he got, I think the coach took care of it before the official did. Uh, but I would have to go back and look at the game film to, to find out what everybody's talking about. Gotcha. Well, as we close out here, I want to, I, I wanted to give our, you and I both have grown up at Razorback big time fans. So we'll put our fat, our, our fat, our fan <laughs> hat on here. We'll put our, it's not our fat, our fan hat. And I, I reached out. So if you have not joined our discord, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, basically it's a group chat of a, of a bunch of our listeners and, and people that we've associated with for a while, just giving our opinions It's where we put a lot of breaking news. If one of us happens to see it first, but I asked them because just because we don't have the ability to take call-ins as of now, hopefully that's coming in the near future. But I, I, I asked them to talk about what this great start to the season means. Um, now, some of you believe that we should be three and one. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But in my opinion, we're two and two. We are what the record says we are. But either way, it's been an incredible start to the season, especially considering what we've been through the last few years. And so I'm gonna, we had a couple of responses. I asked them what this meant to them before, Cabo, you and I give ours. And we'll start with Jay Haas 17. Jay Haas is very popular on our our uh, Friday mailbag when we normally do this, but he said, I'm proud. I'm excited. I wear the Razorback on my hat. He works in the oil field. I wear the Razorback on my hat, hard hat, 
badge lanyard, everything. I have a hog tattooed on me living here in South Texas, Aggie country. It's nice to hear people compliment us. It's nice to be proud to wear this hat. I cried when we beat state. I cried again last night. This means so much to these guys who got shafted by Morris. And uh, I've talked about this on the pod too. I lived in South. Now he's a little near Houston, pretty close to Houston. I of course was in San Antonio, but either way, both of those areas right along I 10 there about two, two and a half, hour, about a two and a half hour drive. Yep. Or so. um, some people for three, if you actually drive the speed limit, but it's Aggie country. There's no question. Despite San Antonio being so close to UT, it is still very, very heavy Aggie country. And I can relate to that. And I can relate to what he said. And also, too, and this is – I want to elaborate on, on Kelly's. I'll read hers. Uh, Kelly uh, Kelly Marie, she's uh, very popular on Twitter with, within uh, our group. She interacts with a lot of the things that we say. She's been a longtime listener. And she want to say uh, – I want to say I'm so happy as a fan, but to me it means more to the players, especially the upperclassmen who have dealt with so much bad – it's hard to watch us suck as a fan. Yes, it sure is. But imagine putting in as much work as these guys had the last three to four years and see no fruits of their labor. So freaking happy for these guys. Those smiles and celebrations are what means the most to me. And I think there was one more if I can find it. Okay, so uh, Austin says, all right, uh, he had, was off. He was at work, so he came in a little late. So I'll give the real feelings. Number one, I'm super proud to to be a fan of this team and what they've been able to do in a short time with so many restrictions. I am happy to be able to hold my head up to the many LSU fans that live here in South Arkansas. There's a lot more than you think and be able to talk about a team that's winning and have them dread that matchup now. But most importantly, I'm happy for myself. I'm happy for these guys. I've been through a struggle in sports as a fan and, and as part of a team that was winless for so long and I was never able to have that turnaround to see them see them this makes me happiest for those guys and i think that for the most part everybody said the same thing to an extent that, that we're all feeling as a fan base it's it's more about the players but the fans have devoted their time their money um you know you think about cabo what what we do as content creators and what so many other content creators do that has really struggled I, I, up until this year I had never covered besides so in 2017 when they got their last SEC win before this season I was doing content creation but I had, was just getting started so I was doing Facebook live videos I had never done a podcast before then as I said then with covering a winning team and so that was a big change that has been such a breath of fresh air twice this season and so before I go into before I go in a little bit deeper to mine I'll, I'll go ahead and let you uh, give your take on what it means to you so the, the big thing coming into the season was, okay, this looks like yeah, we can get one or two here based on what we had seen in the past. Well, now it's we can compete and have a chance to win every game except maybe Alabama. I said it last week with, with Florida, and, you know, those guys are going to have better athletes just like Georgia did. But we as a football team and as a fan base can get behind this football team because we're not a doormat anymore. We, we don't have the guys running out there going through the motions. We have people bought in in a short period of time, like you said, with all the restrictions. So that's the biggest thing I'm proud about. And I can see it in my wife's eyes, too. My wife is a really big Razorback fan. She's been to many games with me, and she she's really into baseball now, especially since I have six kids up there playing that I've coached. But she she came in the other day, and she was like, well, Baby, what, what are our chances this weekend? I said, well, we got a r really good shot to win this. I said, I even picked them. And she said, what? 
I said, yeah. I said, I, I picked these guys to win because they've bought in. They, they have built the culture. And like you said earlier, they are a direct reflection of Sam Pittman. And I've stayed on this podcast multiple times. He wanted the fan base of this state to be proud that they went out there, gave their all, left it on the field, and proud to wear the Razorbacks. So that that's where I'm at right now. And I, I couldn't be happier for these guys. And the one thing that they know – and we know as fans is it's not done. This is just starting. We have a lot more work to do. We got things to clean up on the field, of course, but this makes the rest of the season even brighter because we get to look forward to something. We actually get to look forward to something as a fan base now instead of drudging through a season and saying, okay, when's basketball, when's baseball? So we get to live in the moment, and that's the biggest thing that I'm most excited about. I think the overwhelming conclusion when you talk about the Chad Morris era is, and I've said this so many times, there's not really any good thing that you can say, but he did a great job of recruiting. Yep. And But the thing about it was, is whenever Coach Pittman came in, he had to make sure and convince those great players that they needed to stay. Now, we really didn't have a whole lot of transfers once he came in. His first meeting that he said, as opposed to Chad Morris, that basically said, came in and said, you guys need me or else I wouldn't be here. Sam Pittman came in and he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He set the pace right then that said, look, you know, we're going to get this thing turned around. I'm here and we're going to win with the guy, just like he said after the Mississippi State game. He did. That wasn't the first time he said that. We're all we got. Very, that's what we got. We're going to use what we got and we're going to win with what we got. And just to think about and, and, you know, Kelly said it. I think just about everybody pointed at it in, in some way or another. These guys, these kids, they worked so hard. Yes, I understand that they shut down for this previous coaching staff. I kind of really understand that more and more as we get into this season. I started to understand it once Pittman came in. Now I'm really starting to grasp it a lot more. But these kids could have easily left, especially the ones from Texas. They could have gone back home. They could have gone back to Texas. There's plenty of colleges to play at there, D1 colleges, and they bought in, as we've, as you said, as we've said so many times. And I'm just, yes, as a fan, it's it's great. Um, it, it truly is. I'm happy that I, I can cheer on a winning team now, just like we all are. But at the end of the day, it's all about the players. But you know what? It is about this fan base, too, and I think that they'll tell you that. Uh, because, you know, in order – I think that it, it really – obviously you have to have fans for the revenue part, but it's just so nice to see this fan base coming together instead of just bickering at each other constantly. You'll have your naysayers every once in a while, but, man, it's just – I said it after the Mississippi State game. It's like the food tastes better. It, it's just everything is it, – it's easier to get up Sky's and go. Sky's bluer. Sky's bluer. <laughs> I mean, it's just, everything is so much better. Uh, you know, I mean, it just seems like you're just in a happier mood all the time when you have a winning football team. But you know what the best news is? Is the last two seasons, maybe even dating back to 2017, we would say, man, thank God for this bye week. We need a week where we don't have to worry about heartbreak, where we can watch other teams have to deal with heartbreak or triumph. But you know what? We got two weeks to be damn proud of this football team. And that is just what gives me new life, just knowing that we can focus on the the big win that they had, finally getting that SEC win at home. And, man, it just uh, – I've never gotten emotional on a pod, but it's pretty – it's got me pretty close right now. Just to know that the progress that we have made for this team and for this state, I just can't I, – I couldn't be happier about it. 
Yeah, Coach Pittman said I, I use the damn word too much, but I'm damn proud, and you, you just said it, and that that's what it means. And he's damn proud of the staff. He's damn proud of the team, and he's damn proud of this state. And that that's all it needs to be said. And I think that that's kind of been one of those things where it's just been looked past. You know, my my mother, God love her, she's the sweetest lady in the world. I try to watch my language, especially on here, because we are a family oriented show. And my mom does not like to hear curse words out of my mouth. But you know what? I think that we can. Uh, I think we, I think this one will probably get a pass. So, but man, it's just uh, it's. It, I, I know that again. We're going to soak this in over the next week or so. You know, there's some. There's definitely some opportunities, especially on offense, still on special teams, but. That's for next week. This week, we're going to – the players need to worry about getting healthy, getting back to the fundamentals, especially on offense and and all that stuff. But we'll get to A&M here next week. And so uh, I think that will do it for this episode, episode number 131 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Guys, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. Hit that line. Uh, as we've talked about over the last few shows, we're very proud to be not just a part of the Believe Podcast Network, but also we've joined the Hit That Line ESPN Arkansas Network as well. Um, you can catch their live radio shows from 6 to 9 and 11 to 1 every day. And, of course, also Ruskin and Zach from 3 to 7. And they've also got a couple of other things that they have on that network as well, Primetime Preps, the High School Podcast. A lot of great stuff going on there. And so thank you guys so much for the support. Oh, we also got to say um, we have reached the 10,000, which we will post this sometime. That's right. But we hit 10,000 likes on Facebook and 5,000 followers on Twitter over the weekend. And guys, you know, yeah, it's great to to say that we have those numbers, but um, it's all because of you guys. When we started, when Jacob started this thing, just writing articles as a Facebook page and Twitter, from the ground up and then Ty joined on Porter, myself, Kevin, Keith, we've just been so blessed with the, the support that you guys, the interaction I've said it so many different times, but uh, we wouldn't be here without you guys. And we love you so much. We thank you. And it's just so great to, again, I can't say it enough to be cheering on and supporting a winning football team, but that'll do it for episode number 131 of the hog talk podcast. We will see you guys next Friday. For Kevin Bohannon, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube